0: Hey, I'm Tim. And I'm Drew. And this is the Hearts and Hands podcast. In episode
1: 15, we discussed different styles of worship leading, and we talked to him and her about their musical journey. Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Sonnenberg, joined as always by my co-host, Tim Babbler. Tim, how you doing?
0: Doing pretty great today. I don't know, today was just a good day. Good to hear,
1: good to hear. Yeah. This week we talked to him and her, and we talked about leading worship and what that means and what that looks like. So that got me thinking, Tim, how would you describe what it looks like when you lead worship?
0: On a typical Sunday now when I lead, once we finish our video announcements at the beginning of the service, I stand up with the other members of the band, and I'll just introduce the Sunday to the congregation and just say, you know, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us today in worship. And then usually just give some sort of encouragement for people. Why is it we we join in worship? And we have a lot of visitors each week, so I think it's important for people to know what's going on before it happens, especially in such a large worship space like we have. And then uh, we go into our first couple songs, and then sometimes I actually lead the uh, reflections on a passage for a Confession and Absolution. And if there's a newer song, too, I like to introduce the song by just explaining to people a little bit about it or what to focus on in the song, because not everyone's going to feel comfortable singing on a new song right away, but people may be more inclined to at least listen to what it's like, so that if we do sing the song again, they might actually sing along. Sure. What's it like for you, Drew?
1: Well, I mean, I've been to a decent amount of churches, and I don't know if I've ever seen someone with my title who kind of like hit in the back as much as I do. This may come as a surprise to some of our listeners that the guy who decided he was going to start a podcast actually doesn't really like talking in front of people very much. (laughs) So a lot of my work is more in the background. So... I still pick all the songs and and lead rehearsals and everything and lead the music on Sunday, but if you couldn't tell from my voice, I'm a second bass, and second basses aren't really great at lead singing, especially songs that are a little bit higher. So I don't sing, I don't do the lead singing for any songs. I don't introduce the songs at all, but that has less to do with with me and more to do with just how we structure our services here at Illumin. We try to like take a singular theme for the week and just weave everything together to fit that theme. Songs, readings, responses, everything. And just to make make it clear for the congregation how all those things are tied, having the pastor be the one that is doing that like that's actually vocalizing how these things all fit together just seems to work better for us. So that means there's more background work. Like I'm talking with the pastor throughout the week about here's why I picked these songs. Here's why I think they would fit at these points in the service so that when he's talking on Sunday morning and he's introducing a song, he can very clearly be like, this is why we're singing this now at this point in the service and everything. So I wouldn't say I'm doing less work. I mean, I'm not singing obviously, but uh, it's just, a lot of my work is more in the background and less visible to the
0: congregation. And the good news is there's no one specific way that it has to be done. Just like worship, you know, each of our voices is different, each of our abilities is different, and our churches don't have to all look the exact same either.
1: We had a great conversation this week with Seth and Jenna Hurlick, who are him and her worship, their relatively new group within the Wells, their husband and wife that They both sing and they both play piano and guitar, and they've started touring a little bit. They want to get a little more into it, it sounds like, but we had a great conversation with them, so let's get to that now. Today we are stoked to welcome him and her worship to the podcast. Welcome, guys.
2: Hey, thank you so much. This is Seth. And this is Jenna.
1: For our listeners who don't know too much about you, could you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do?
3: Yes. So I'm Jenna Herlick and Seth Herlick is here with me. We are a married couple from like St. Paul area in um, Minnesota, and we are him and her worship. And for about the past year, we've been traveling the country, creating music, creating a podcast and a brand pretty much that encompasses him and her worship. We started off kind of like not knowing if we were going to be doing secular music or worship music. And God very clearly pointed us towards worship music because we were contacting a ton of churches and a ton of coffee shops and a ton of like bars and stuff. And really only all the churches worked out. So we, since then, we've just like really embraced that this is our calling. And yeah, we're working on some original music. We have an album that should be coming out soon and a mini documentary that should be coming out soon. So yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else, Seth? No, that's it. Cool.
1: Cool. So as kind of touring musicians, obviously a certain element of what you do is performance. You are playing music for other people. That is performance. But how do you balance being performers with being Leaders of worship, which is kind of a slightly different thing.
2: Yeah. So, this is a really good question. And I think to really like put it first, I think truly defining performance and worship was really important for us to kind of, I guess, um, figure this out. And um, so, uh, performance, the, the definition is a public presentation or exhibition. And worship is honor or reverence to a defined being and as a christian i think those two lines kind of get blurred because truly everything that we do is is a performance because people are seeing it especially god and the other th- other side of that too is everything that we do as a christian is worship so it really becomes conflicting even even in the question because truly everything that we do is worship and ultimately everything that we do is is seen by god and others so it is kind of a performance and i i think the thing that's a struggle is that we're in front of church and people see that people see us and that is a that is the issue i think because it always becomes oh they're up front so they're performing but i mean even i i wonder asking the organist or the pastor where where is the line for them too because you know truly if you if you pull out pull out all the stops on the organ are you doing it 100% for god or 100% for you or is there some line and i think unfortunately the the default setting is of a of a sinner like us is is to be selfish so there's no true perfect worship and that's really the 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 line we try and toe is we do our best to give give all glory to god but unfortunately um we normally end up getting in the way too so
3: And I think that, like, another very important thing to say is that, like, yes, we try to balance it, but we have never done it. Like, we've both talked about this, too, that because we're sinners, we're leading worship and, like, our brain and our hearts are not always in the right spot. And it is like a constant battleground that we always are dealing with where it's like, oh my goodness, like for half that song, I was like thinking about how my voice sounds and if it sounds good enough and if the people like it. And and like after that, we're just like kind of in shambles. Like how did we let that happen? It's, it's like, I guess, a sin that, that we deal with. And I think that pretty much everyone who leads worship in any way deals with. Because like even the organist thinks about like, oh no, I played the wrong note. Now this person in the congregation is gonna think poorly of me or the pastor wants his sermon to be good for the congregation to like him you know it's like a constant struggle i think for people who work in church and yeah i think it's just important to say that like the we try to balance it and like we strive every moment that our our worship is from like a pure heart but like our worship is like filthy rags and even even from the best place in our heart is still not good enough for God. And so that's like the constant struggle that we deal with in terms of like performance and leading worship.
2: So Chris Tomlin has this saying that's really, and I think this is true. Both of you guys are worship directors. I think this is the, the one of the most truest things that, that Chris has ever said, or really one of the most applicable things I've ever heard about being a worship director. And it, it is that, the moon reflects the sun's light at night, and the moon doesn't have any light of its own, but it reflects the sun's light. And that's, as a worship director, I think, or even as a Christian in general, but I think as a worship director, this applies a lot. We work really hard. We strive to, to reflect the light of, of God, and he's the sun. But the thing that, so that—so that's Chris— Chris's statement, that we should reflect God's light. But I think this is my addition to that. And the thing is, that's crazy about the moon is that it gets all the glory at night because you can't see the sun at night. But during the day, the sun comes back out and it's blinding. And I think that's kind of the way it all relates to performance versus worship is that the audience sees us. And The thing that's confusing and conflicting about that is if they don't transcend us to who gave us the gifts, if they focus on us, they can get caught up in making us the idol or make worshiping us instead of instead of God. So I think that um, when it comes to to like performance and worship and all that stuff, I think a lot of times. It's equally as much of the audience members' problem as ours because if they if they don't worship the person who gave the gifts and, and and worship the gifts instead, then that's where conflict occurs. And so, like I think that's that's something that we Jen and I also strive to do is we we like pray before like make us like the moon like just to not to not to shine our own lights but to reflect your light and also help people to see you and not see us. So. Those are another trying to trying to lessen our egos, which is so tough, as anyone knows. (laughs) So, yes.
1: As a a relatively new group, what what do you think, or what would you say makes you guys unique, or what do you bring to the table that's maybe slightly different than what everybody else is doing right now?
2: Oh, this is interesting. So, there's two. One big hero of mine, personally, and his name is David Leonard, and he is. Half part, half part of uh, All Sons and Daughters, and we actually got to meet him, and kind of we have a halfway friendship, I would say. But he kind of spoke into. We had just come back from tour, and he kind of spoke into our lives. But one of the big things that he kind of shared with us is that if you want to create an environment for worship, and you want to write songs that are worshipful, you have to first be worshiping yourself. So truly when we create, we actually try and call our concerts now worship experiences because we really want to create an environment where people can be free and comfortable to worship in whatever way they they want to. So what we do is before we start, we normally try and preface the concert with that, like there's really no expectations. Jenna and I are going to, we're going to do our best to worship here and you know if you want to sing along you can sing if you need to stand up and go sit up uh, you know at far away from the people you're close to if you need to keep your eyes closed you know whatever whatever it is whatever you, it, you want to do to worship that's on you and um i don't think that's really common i think a lot of a lot of people force things um and i i just don't believe in worship looks different for every person and I truly think if you can create a comfortable environment or an environment where people feel comfortable to worship the way they want to worship, then that's the best way, at least from my perspective. So that's what Jenna and I strive to do. And every every time that we have a worship experience of some sort, that's what we try and do.
3: Another thing in terms of our content as well is that We're really passionate about like the contemporary style music, just for lack of a better word. We really love acoustic singer-songwriter type stuff. And so kind of our goal is to bring that style of worship to the Wells circles and and let them know that it's okay and let them know that you can sing songs that aren't hymns and they can be worshipful and they can be correct in doctrine. But at the same time, we want to bring the good doctrine of the wells to the outside world at the same time like we want to serve the community that we're in and so we're kind of like a twofold mission in that way where uh we're not we're singing our own original music that's a little bit different than what our circles are used to but then we're also bringing like the good news to the rest of the world so it's just like this little niche thing i think that we have here
1: One thing we talk about on this podcast a lot is the people in our lives that have kind of enabled us and kind of pushed us in the direction to get where we are now. You mentioned Ben Bloomer kind of shoving you in the direction of, hey, why don't you play in churches, kind of opening that new door for you. As young, younger, I mean, none of us are super old, but as younger musicians in the Wells or just artists in general, what do you think the Wells as a whole or the community of Wells creatives or whoever it may be can be doing to help foster this creativity in young people help push people and to take the leaps that you're taking yeah. uh, whether it be with music or with visual arts or whatever it may be whatever their particular craft is what what can we be doing better to support young
2: artists oh this is good stuff okay i have i have so many things that i want to say um, first of all i think it has to start from this place So I went to prep, Luther Preparatory School, for four years, and I went to MLC for a year and a half, and I was, I believed that I was going to become a pastor, truly believed it. And the second semester of my sophomore year, I was kicked out of MLC for grades, and my life pretty much crumbled. I had to move back in with my parents. I lived with them for like two and a half years. I guess you could say I was pretty borderline suicidal. It was a really, really, really long and hard road. And to honestly, that like the fact that we're talking right now is pretty much a miracle because I probably shouldn't have made it through. And I think first, first things first, like God uses you in different ways and it might not look like the way you think it was going to be. I thought my ministry was to be a pastor and that I'd, you know, have a church and it would be black and white. And God decided that, and I guess I probably had a little bit to do with it too, that it wasn't for me and now my ministry is playing for way more people than one church and god used me god uses me in a completely different way than i thought and i think expectations are can be so can be so hard because you know you you really set yourself up for failure when you think that you know something is going to be one way and then reality strikes and it's a different way but the craziest part about it now is that like god it was actually leading me in the direction he wanted me to go even though it was heartbreaking and damaging and crushing and it it isn't anything that i thought it would look like but the way it is is so much better than it than it, what i thought it would be and so i think first things first let maybe letting go of your expectations and truly trusting that god's plan is the right plan and that his time is is the right timing uh, I think there's another uh, great quote that I heard that uh, rush leads to ruin, and I think truly trusting in God to know that that He His providence and His timing is right, and that His calling is true too, and and right. And I think the pressure there's so much pressure for young people, to become you know to have ministry and to for their ministry to look like being a teacher or being a pastor, and I just. Jenna and I both that's not necessarily the right the right pressure always there's other things there's other avenues your your ministry is your literally everyday life if you're a, if you're a stay-at-home mom your ministry is to raise your children you know if you're a if you're a worship director your ministry is to 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 lead people in worship you know i i just think that there's so many different ways in worship and i'm sorry and um ministry looks so different for so many different people and i think first things first is Truly making the, like relieving the pressure on yourself as a young person and doing what you're passionate about. I believe that God puts passion on your heart and that passion is something, normally it's passion is um, skill aligned with, with something that you're excited about. And I think God gives those things to us for a reason. And I think that uh, chasing those things are really important to finding, to finding what God truly wants you to do.
3: I have some thoughts, but none of them are organized. So I'm just gonna kinda (laughs) I'm gonna just word vomit a little bit and you can cut it out if you don't like it. I feel like something that's important for young people to know is that just what Seth just said is that ministry is for everyone. As in, I think that we're all called to ministry. If you're a Christian, you're a minister of the gospel immediately. And you get to choose in your life how you do that and how you accomplish that. And so, as Seth said, you can be a mom and your ministry is the kids at your home, or you could be a pastor and that's your congregation. And I think that for a lot of people or a lot of young people, they're expected that their ministry looks like two options. And and those two options are really great, but that's not; those two options aren't for everyone, and I've seen a lot of friends fall out of the ministry because they thought that they were supposed to be pastors and teachers and they weren't right for it. And so I I feel like it's important for young people to examine their gifts and their passions and almost ignore what their parents want them to do because like that's that's really important what your parents want you to do but it's also not everything and so I feel like that's an encouragement like if you want to be a Christian artist or just an artist in general like there are people in your lives that can crush that and I think it's important to discern who whose voices are holding you back and whose voices are actually important. There are people who are yes men, and there are people who are naysayers, and you need like a good combination of both in your life to know the best way to do everything. I also think that in terms of artists and young artists, I think that all art, whether it's secular or or like christian art, is it's like people on earth trying to find God on earth and i th- because I think that like music and art is the only thing that we know for sure is going to be in heaven. Like you know that there's going to be music in heaven because there's countless verses that talk about that and and I think just like how God is the creator God and all of creation is art. So people who aren't Christians, they're trying to search for God on earth. And so I feel like if you're you're an artist and you make Christian art, it's like
2: well, okay. So, I think the the truth is is that truly nothing, I don't think is truly secular, especially when it comes to art. I don't think art is secular or religious. It's I think art transcends. And the thing is is that I do believe that every if you have the bug or you have the itch to do it, you should totally do it. Jenna and I are the total like we give people permission all the time because like if you wait, if you wait to do something, there's never a right time. There's never a perfect time. You're never going to know enough. And truly, like Jenna and I, we've always learned the hard way. Like we've made every single mistake. And truly, we could have. I could have went back to school for eight years, gotten a couple, you know, first of all, I probably would need like a, a music composition and live performance degree. And then we do all of our sound and engineering stuff. So I should probably go get an engineering degree. And Jenna does all of our marketing and, and runs our business. So she should probably get an MBA and a marketing degree, but you know, that's ridiculous. Like that's insane. And I think a lot of people live that way. They think that they need to know all the right things and all this stuff before they can even start. No, you have to do it, do it, start. And it doesn't have to be the thing. Like, you know, we started with an album and we started with a tour and now we're here. It like, it builds, it's a, it's a stepping stone type of scenario where you don't have to have all the answers right away
3: people might be hearing from us for the first time and be like, yeah, it's easy for them to say like they made it. We didn't make it first of all. <laughs> like that's, that's garbage. Um, but like they, they're musicians, they're playing at churches. But the thing is, there was a point where we had to decide that it was better to be uncomfortable than comfortable. And it was way harder for us to spend like four months pouring our, all of our time, money and energy into making a music career happen it was way harder but that's just what it takes and so I feel like if anyone's listening to this and they want to do something crazy with their life like here's your permission do it (laughs) like if you've aligned your gifts and your passions with scripture and with the people in your life life have made it clear that like that's something that you could do just do it (laughs) Because yeah, as Seth said, there will always be a hundred excuses to keep you from doing what God's plan is for you. I think sometimes God has a plan for us and then we just don't think big enough for him. We're like, oh no, God could never do that for me. But it's like, maybe if you take the steps to do the thing that you think that you should do, then God's going to bless it. I just think that it just takes one step in the right direction. So yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think one other thing as far as like the encapsulation of the wells and kind of their influence. I truly believe that like fighting over genre or specific I guess specifically genre, genre comes up a lot. I think that's just a battle that's probably not worth fighting. I I don't think obviously it's pretty adiaphora and I think that that stifling younger generations or trying to put people into boxes because of comfortability is never a good thing. So the more, the more that we can do to use the the next generation to be involved in worship is I think the truly the future. I mean, the more thing, honestly, the things that I've been hearing, having charismatic churches is the future and not charismatic in the sense of like, I guess speaking in tongues, but more like having emotional and real experience in worship is the future of the church, and especially they say that. But the millennial millennials truly want that. So I think people that can can evoke emotion and can transcend—I mean, truly—creating environments where people are honest and vulnerable and real. That's the future, and that's the future that the the, the young people or that they want that they want vulnerability they want they don't want their pastor to be someone who they can't relate to or someone that they think is better than them because truly no one is better than anyone else right
0: well i definitely want to thank you guys for joining us that was a lot of insight
2: thank you so much hopefully it wasn't too much insight we're long winded (laughs) yeah we are very long-winded so
0: that's okay i'm sure after listening to this conversation there's gonna be people who want to know more about you guys where can they find out more information
2: Ooh. That's a great question. So basically, it's really easy. We are Him and Her Worship, and that is our basically tagline for Facebook, Instagram. Our website is www.himandherworship.com. We also have a Patreon and uh, YouTube, and we have some really exciting things coming out. We're working towards a full-length worship album. We'll have some singles coming out soon, and we also filmed a full-length documentary. That'll be coming out pretty soon as well too and we have a all kinds of awesome stuff so find us whatever is easiest for you so yeah
3: i think um instagram is my favorite platform to update so if you really like pretty pictures and videos then i would suggest following us on instagram more than anything else
0: so yeah Well, for those listening, I definitely encourage you to check those things out, follow them on your favorite platforms, and be sure to give them support as well as they continue to do do God's work.
2: Thanks so much for joining us, guys. Yeah, thank thank you you. guys so much. God bless you all. It's been fun.
0: That wraps
1: it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on all social media platforms at Wells Creatives, or you can reach us directly at heartsandhandspodcast at gmail.com.
0: And be sure to check out our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. There you'll find some exclusive bonus content and uncut episodes that are only available to our Patreon subscribers. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.